Join us as we unpack emerging trends and changes in digital transformation with the executives, entrepreneurs, and investors responsible for shaping the future of their industries. In these interviews, you can expect to hear candid conversations about the future of technology and the role it plays at some of the largest organizations in the world. Our hosts are members of the Kunai team, an agency that has been building software products for over 20 years. Today, your host will be Sandeep Kumar Sood. Uh, hello and welcome to Kunai's podcast about digital transformation. Today we have Devyani Parameshwar, um, the head of commercial strategy at M-Pesa. Um, welcome, Devyani. It's great to have you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Excellent. Um, so let's start. I actually want to define a bit what M-Pesa is for uh, some of our American audience who may not have heard of it before. But before we do that, I just want to talk a little bit about your childhood, your early education, and some of the microfinance work you did that led you uh, to uh, a path towards Vodafone and M-Pesa. Sure, Sandeep. So, uh, well, I grew up in India. Um, I went to boarding school and then went uh, did, did my undergrad in, in the U.S. Um, I'd always been interested in socioeconomic development just based on traveling and you know, seeing different parts of the country um, when I was younger. Um, and when I graduated, I, I had a double a major in physics and international relations. And I started working in consulting in the U.S., uh, focused on public uh, public health. And it was interesting, but I kind of had this nagging interest in looking more at microfinance. That was the same year. The year I graduated was the year that Mohamed Yunus won the Nobel Prize for um, for. for microfinance essentially and um, the space was getting more interesting in India there was a lot of microfinance institutions starting to be set up as um, non-banking finance mm -hmm. companies rather than NGOs as they would have been traditionally um, so I started working with uh, the Abishkar group which was based um, in Hyderabad at the time working with microfinance institutions as well as with investors looking at investing in this space so that's what I was doing that's fantastic. Um, the most impressive part of that is a double major in international relations and physics. That's crazy. Um, and for those who don't know, uh, Muhammad Yunus was a pioneer of microfinance in Bangladesh. Um, he started an organization called the Grameen Bank. Um, which essentially, I believe, is still the model for microfinance around the world, uh, small targeted loans in the past, I think, or maybe even now targeted generally at women um, who are doing projects, <coughs> excuse me, um, that, uh, that uh, have really good possibility of payback and also are the types of projects that lead to sustainable outcomes for families uh, around the world. So, a uh, really interesting background and uh, fascinating work that brought you to M-Pesa. So let's get to M-Pesa now. Um, just to give people a little bit of the sense of scale, um, it's far by far and away Africa's most successful money transfer service. Um, last year, in 2019, there were over 11 billion transactions on the M-Pesa network. Um, the service has over 42 million active customers. Um, so it is a game changing service in Africa. It leverages the power and the distribution of the telcos. 
um, in a way that, that really they're the only companies that have that kind of distribution to make this kind of thing possible. Um, but I'll stop there. Can you tell us a bit about what the service is intrinsically um, and maybe even a little bit about where you see it going? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, we started out as a, um, as a remittance service. So the original proposition was send money home and it was really to enable people, um, working in the cities, supporting families in rural areas, um, to be able to, to make those domestic remittances before a service like Impesa was introduced. So, you know, before 2007, essentially, the alternatives were that people would rely on family or friends traveling upcountry to the, you know, to where their family is based to send money with them or um, rely on bus drivers and matatu, as, as they're called in, in Kenya, to, to actually take that money over to their family. And then your mom or your sister or someone would have to be waiting at the bus stand to go collect it. So not a lot of privacy, security issues, and of course, you're being a cut to um, to your intermediary. So that's where we started um, the service. And, and over time, it's grown to a whole range of other things. So in addition to peer-to-peer remittances, and maybe just to explain to your uh, to your listeners, the, the kind of the ability to send money peer-to-peer is enabled by a network of agents. So we've got um, today across our footprint over 430,000 agents. And these are small shops. So they could be um, butchers, barbers, hair salons, uh, you know, corner shop, tea stores, um, that in addition to the business that they run, also act as Impesa agents, which means that they allow customers to give them money in exchange for topping up their Impesa wallet or, um, you know, redeem their Impesa or e-money for physical cash, right? So, and that's what creates that trust in, in the, in the system that you can get your money when you want it and, and you can, um, you know, add money to your, to your wallet to transact when you need to. Um, so in addition to remittances, uh, what the service now enables is a whole range of payments. So, uh, both in-store, online, uh, B2B disbursements, et cetera. So a whole range of business services, um, and a whole range of financial services. So across credit, um, overdraft, savings, insurance, and wealth management. The service has really kind of grown, um, into a wider ecosystem over the last 13 years now since, um, since it's been around. Um, but I'll, I'll stop there. Yeah, and I think uh, a bit later we're going to talk about the opening of the M-Pesa uh, platform and the numerous uh, API services that may be built on top of this network. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about the effect uh, this has had on the African economy, um, particularly in countries like Kenya, where it's become completely ubiquitous. Uh, there was a study four years ago. You were telling me before the call. Uh, that estimated uh, as much as as many as two percent of the population of Kenya have been lifted out of poverty purely by the access to uh, electronic liquidity, the ability to to send funds back and forth, to store them safely, and not have to worry about being robbed. Um, can you talk a bit more about the macroeconomic impact? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, and that's, you're right. So that study is one of the largest uh, that's been done. Um, and it was published in the Science Magazine about four years ago. Um, and what, what they found was sort of well, a number of different findings, but the two sort of key um, drivers there was uh, one around uh, this idea of having a network that you can rely on. So a wider um, resilience uh, support structure. So people who had access to Mpesa households with um, with Mpesa were able to better 
cope with any type of economic shock that that they face. So, for example, loss of income or a health incident um, that you know meant the breadwinner wasn't able to, to bring money in, etc. Um, for those who had that network, they were able to call on friends and family to contribute um, and sort of smooth cash cash flows during that time. Uh, versus in other instances where actually that sort of core consumption was cut back on, so things like medicine and, and nutrition, etc. Um, so that's one of the the key findings, and the other was around uh, the gender impact. So a lot of uh, especially female-headed households saw an increase in, in savings. Um, and a lot of women, actually over 185,000 women specifically, were able to supplement uh, their incomes from subsistence agriculture um, by moving into other forms of retail yeah, because they access to electronic payments. Yeah, sorry to cut you off there. Sorry. I think the most fascinating thing to me is that this didn't start with all of these consequences in mind. We, you just gave uh, better technology to people who were self-motivated, and suddenly there were uh, uh, behaviors, interactions that had never been planned or thought out before. It's essentially a basic platform, and the the people of Kenya and elsewhere. We're actually innovating themselves on top of it, using it in ways that Vodafone never really expected them to. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So it started out, as I mentioned, you know, with this remittance um, use case. But what we've now seen is a whole range of, um, you know, of, of businesses and services growing on the back of that. Um, and, you know, yeah. really an empowerment of, of small, medium enterprises and individuals yeah. um, on the back access to financial services and, and digital payments. Definitely. Um, just to give everyone an idea of how this works on a daily uh, interaction by interaction basis, this is really made possible by the network of uh, telco branches um, of the people out in rural areas where there may not be other uh, types of infrastructure office offering, you do have these uh, telco offices where representatives can sort of vouch for the service. Can you just talk a bit about the distribution and the interaction in the field? Yeah, sure. So as I mentioned, we've got about 430,000 of these what we call agents um, across the across our footprint, so across the seven countries where we're, we're live. And, and these are, as you say, they could be telco stores, they, they could be sort of kiosks or, you know, tea stores, hairdressers, uh, you know, barbers, butchers, you, you name it, who also on the side uh, have an Mpesa agency business um, that enables our customers to top up their, their wallets or, you know, uh, cash out. Uh, so, for example, if um, as you know, if if I were to send money to my family member, um, they could go to one of these agents to cash out that money if they wanted to, rather than keep it electronic. Um, or if uh, if I were to get a government grant, for example, I could choose to to cash it out or get access to that funding from mm-hmm. uh, a neighborhood agent. Um, so that's that's essentially how it how it works. And we have a whole network of um, you know trade representatives that keep that. Uh, 
network of agents, liquid and active and, and serviced, I suppose. Excellent. Great. Um, so looking ahead now to the future, coming to uh, the area that I'm most interested in, in terms of uh, Kunai's work and uh, your own, the I know there is now an API. I know there are a few pilot projects that are being built on top of the uh, layer. Let's start with some of the interactions you're most excited about? Uh, what apps do you see coming out in the next two or three years on the API that will really take the service to the next level? Yeah, I mean, this is something we're very excited about. We, we opened up our APIs a few years ago in some markets and, and really very recently in others. We just did a, a big launch in Tanzania um, a few weeks ago. Um, and the idea is really to enable businesses who want to collect or make payments by Mpesa do this a lot more efficiently than they could in the past um, and to drive that innovation in terms of use cases. So I don't want to tell you what, you know, what's going to come. I think what we want to see is a whole generation of, you know, entrepreneurs building new businesses on, on our rails. Um, but, but that says essentially we've got a sandbox and we've now built a single point of integration and settlement capability to enable um, sort of multinational partners who want to connect once and access kind of over 42 million uh, customers across these, these countries. So it's relevant for e-commerce and digital players, but it's also relevant for remittance companies and, and you know, pretty much any business operating in, in these markets as well. Um, so we've, we've got a bunch of use cases available already. So essentially, um, in validations, notifications, disbursements, uh, reversals, um, subscription and kind of recurring payments, um, dynamic currency conversion, etc. So some of the building blocks that you'd need to innovate essentially and, and you know do business in in these countries digitally. Yeah, that's uh, super fascinating. the The idea that an entire system of banking is being built without branches, essentially without banks. Um, and really leveraging uh, the telco networks to enable peer-to-peer transfer. I'm, I just have to ask, just backing up to the banks, backing up to the systems that we understand in the United States and Europe, will there be competition and contention from traditional banking against these systems? Or is it too late? Is Have the branchless uh uh, networks just gone too far. And at this point, for uh, millions of people in Africa, we actually have banking without banks. Yeah, look, I mean, I have to say we, we're not, we don't see it as a competition. I think we see it as, you know, a coexistence, if you will. So, uh, yes, to start out with, we've really extended the network of, of banking. We've filled a gap that existed in the market. Um, but that said, we're not a bank, right? And we operate within the central bank's regulatory framework. So all of the money that we hold of our customers is held in trust with bank partners. Um, and we are, we see ourselves as a platform business. We, um, you know, really enable a whole range of banking partners or insurance companies or funds, et cetera, to ride on our rails and offer credit and insurance and you know, wealth management services to our digitally to our, you know, 40, 42 million plus customers. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, yeah, we don't, we don't see it as a competition. We very much see it as um, a happy collaboration. <laughs> Definitely. I think that, I think where it, it merges or at least has similarities with the United States, I'll give you an example. So today, uh, Facebook, um, WhatsApp, uh, 
companies in China, you have uh, WeChat and that sort of thing as well. They're because the customer engagement, the customer uh, interaction is owned by a Facebook, for example, when they implement peer-to-peer payments or when they implement subscription services, of course, there needs to be a bank uh, behind the scenes that actually handles this. Um, however, the real crux of the interaction all happens with the, with Facebook or with whoever owns the customer, right? And I think that's a parallel to M-Pesa in the sense that the banks almost feel like a utility. They're providing the, the back-end pipes. They're providing the insurance and the uh, compliance and regulatory uh, requirements. But the customer interaction is where the innovation is. The customer interaction is where the layers of interesting complexity emerge and new services and the API apps that I'm so excited about. Um, I'll stop there. I just wanted to get your comment on that. Do you see it the same way? Is that is that sort of the divide, like a utility company versus the owner of the, the customer interaction? That's definitely one way to, to see it, right? Um, and absolutely, I think some banks are possibly thinking that. Um, but that said, yeah, I think the way this is evolving, we also see some of the tools that we're creating as opportunities to enable innovation on the part of other financial service providers as well. Um, so yeah, it's yeah, the, yeah, the innovation definitely, for lack of a better phrase, the innovation definitely trickles down. So on, on the frontier, you're experimenting with a new subscription service or a link between a digital provider in the US and Africa. And that new interaction ends up affecting every single layer of the stack. So the bank innovates, M-Pesa innovates, and the API app on top is also a, something very new. Uh, so that's fascinating. Cool. And then I, I know you didn't want to tell me, you gave me some examples of the types of, uh, of uh, innovation we can see with the API. Uh, can you tell me more about what's in progress? Are there a number of African startups working on this? Do you have any partnerships abroad? Um, what is the activity around the API today? Yeah, sure. I mean, so we've got, you know, countries like Kenya where it's already very mature. We've got thousands of players on, um, on the system working. So a whole range of uh, local businesses, anything from, um, you know, your local ride hailing app to food delivery to restaurants to, you know, um, a number of government services, so municipal payments, utilities, things like that. Um, but yeah, there's also conversations with a lot of international e-commerce players. Um, and we've, we've sort of, um, we have a number of PSPs, so payment service providers that are plugging in as well to enable or open up, um, M-Pesa as a local payment method for a whole range of, of international kind of merchants. So yeah. That's great. I think it's a rare thing in life where an interest you have from childhood ends up turning into a, a career like this where you can be successful professionally and also be uh, doing your life's work. So it's really cool to hear about what you're up to, Deviani. Um, and uh, thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for, for having me. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent. 